there are two things that I love. One is science and the other is beauty. And the two things go together in DNA. DNA, as I hope you will see as we go along, is one of the most beautiful molecules out there. I want you to think of DNA not just in a machine-like way, but as a beautiful work of art. Not long ago, I was in London, and I went to one of the art galleries there. I was looking at all of these spectacular works of art, and I came up to this image. What a beautiful family scene this is. A mother, in this particular case, this is supposed to be Mary, the mother of Jesus, and there's Jesus sitting on Mary's lap. And Jesus is interacting with John the Baptist, which would make me think the other woman, the woman sitting to the right, must be Elizabeth. But it isn't. It is supposed to be Anne. Uh, by tradition, Saint Anne is supposed to be the mother of Mary. And this is the family scene. So this would be the grandmother, the mother, and Jesus, and the cousin here. What a beautiful scene. What a beautiful thing. And yet, this scene that was drawn by Leonardo da Vinci is only a cartoon. This is the plan for a painting that we don't have today. All we have is the plan for the painting. And the plan is beautiful. We know that Leonardo da Vinci was a genius when it comes to art. And even though he was a genius, he still made plans for what he did. The image that I'm showing you on the left is another picture of John the Baptist. I love this depiction of John the Baptist, by the way. Here he is. He is a young man. He's a vibrant man. And look at the gesture that he's making with his hand. Leonardo da Vinci has him pointing to the source of his life, his wisdom, his mission. God, the God of heaven, the creator God, who gave him this mission to make the way straight for Jesus himself. I like it that he's shown as a young man without a beard. Because it's tempting to think of him as an old man. But remember, when his ministry began, he was a young man and he drew his strength from God. You'll notice in the other picture something very similar. Look at the gesture that Anne is making in that picture. Also drawing the viewer to God, pointing to God and saying, this is where my strength comes from. This is where the blessings come from. This is the creator who has the power to do these wondrous things in our lives. It's beautiful. And when we see these similarities between a plan and a painting, we can quickly see that this was how Leonardo da Vinci worked. It turns out that, in a way, God works 
in a similar way. He has a plan for us. And the plan is beautiful, just like the cartoon that Leonardo da Vinci made. In fact, the Gospel of John starts out with telling us that there was a plan. And you, as you go through the Gospels, you hear that this plan existed over and over again. You know, have you ever heard the expression that Jesus is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world? From the very beginning, there was a plan. A plan for making us and a plan for saving us. There was a plan. So let's look at these words written by not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. There's something interesting about this translation. The word, the word here, where I'm showing you in yellow, in Greek, is obviously not the word. There's a different Greek word that is used there. That word is logos. And this is a, a word. Logos has profound meaning to it. And logos means the word, it also means the plan. So you can read this to say, in the beginning was the plan. The plan was in place. Jesus was that plan to create and to save us. This is incredibly profound. And the plan itself is beautiful. In a way, you can think of your DNA as being your plan. Okay? It's not completely your plan. It doesn't determine everything about your life. But it's a plan for you. So in a way, you could say, in the beginning was the DNA for you. Think about that, perhaps not in too much detail, that amazing moment when your mother and your father came together and God's plan for you was formed in the union of that sperm and that egg. The plan came together. And as we went along, in just a few weeks, that single cell, that fertilized egg, developed into a little tiny tiny baby and it was beautiful and it grew and developed over the course of nine months and then it was born and it was you and you continued to develop and now you are like the painting based on that plan you're the fruition of that plan that is written out in the DNA. Obviously, other things have come in, like environment and so on, but there is a plan for you that is written in your DNA. DNA, you can think of as being the 
chemical paper on which plans for your proteins are written. Now, this chemical paper is very special. It's just the right kind of paper. Think about the time before paper was invented. You know, people wrote stuff out on fragments of pottery and they chiseled stuff into rock and sometimes they wrote on animal hides and things like that. But paper was the thing that revolutionized our ability to record information and exchange it and reproduce it and so on. DNA is like paper in that sense. It is just the right stuff. The plans that are written on that chemical paper are beautiful. Let's just review a little bit about what this chemical paper is. You've probably seen pictures of DNA. The DNA is inside every single one of your cells. Now, some of your cells, as they mature, actually lose their DNA, like your red blood cells. But every cell in your body starts out with this DNA, this long, long chemical, all inside the nucleus of your cells. Now, to give you an idea of how long this chemical is, it is approximately, if you put all the DNA in each of your cells together, end to end, it would be approximately two meters long. That's longer than I am tall. Approximately two meters of it. How on earth does it all get inside your cells? Obviously, if the plan for you was written on paper, real paper, it wouldn't fit. DNA is extremely efficient at storing information. And it is just the right material. It can be spooled around special proteins. And those special proteins help to arrange it in a very orderly way. You can think of your chromosomes as being books. You know, in a book, you have the pages arranged in a nice sequential order. And the information is in the places that you need it to be. And that's vital. Because if you pull all the pages apart, you aren't going to be able to retrieve that information. The DNA itself has a beautiful structure to it. It is a double helix. It's two helices going around each other. Interestingly enough, Leonardo da Vinci designed a staircase that is a double helical staircase. We know where beautiful structures like this double helix come from. They come from the minds of geniuses in our world. This particular double helix is beyond anything that I think a human being would be capable of coming up with. This is a product of incomprehensible genius. And that is why one of the men who discovered this structure, this double helical structure, Francis Crick wrote something and it tells us something very important. He said, biologists must constantly keep in mind that what they see was not designed, but rather evolved. Why does he have to say that? Because any rational person would see the beautiful structure of DNA and immediately recognize design 
there. There are some other interesting things about DNA, just the material. For a start, here we've zoomed right in, so you can't even, you, you're just looking at just a little tiny piece of DNA. And you can see that the chemicals that make it up are slightly different. They're like letters of the alphabet, and we actually designate them with letters of the Latin alphabet. There are A's and there are T's, and A's and T's always go together, and there are G's and C's, and G's and C's always go together. This is very easy to remember. We happen to be at the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, so we're at GC. You won't forget it now. Anyway, yes. A's and T's always go together. Why is this important? Take a look at this. Yeah. When you have that double-stranded DNA, if you split it into two single strands, each of those strands can serve as the template for making a new strand. So you can make very accurate copies very rapidly of DNA. Look there at the top strand, and, and starting at the right, there's an A. So what is the strand that's going to go with it going to have there? T, right. And where there's a C, there's going to be a G. Where there's a G, there's going to be a C. It's a very simple system, it sounds like, but it is elegant and beautiful. So this is how your DNA can be replicated rapidly. And as you develop from one copy of your DNA into the trillions inside your body right now. You did that with tremendous speed and fidelity. Your body was able to do that. There's also something interesting about the code that this DNA uses as it defines your proteins. It would be wonderful to go into the details of it, but we're not going to do that. All I want you to note is the very language that, this, that these letters of the DNA alphabet spells out is beautiful and amazing. This here is not a quote that I'm showing you. The genetic code is one in a million. This is a paper title. This is the title of a paper by Freeland and Hurst. They did research and they showed that it is a fantastic code that works exceptionally well. Let's talk about how that code is used to make the plans for proteins. We're going to look at a protein here called PITX2. Okay? So first of all, we need to look at the gene. Now this actually has to do with one of the most embarrassing experiences in my life. It has to do with my teaching, at least. You can think of DNA as being kind of like Legos. Legos are interesting because they are modular. And you can take the Legos and you can make all kinds of different things out of the Legos. I had the Legos there as a, as a cube. But what else can I do with it? Well, maybe I can make it into a rainbow. There are just so many different kinds of things that I can do with Legos because they are modular units and I can join them together in different ways to make different things. That's why they're one of my favorite toys. Genes, we've discovered, are kind of like Legos. They are modular. So what they have are, are, are things called exons. 
and they're made up of several exons. This particular example, PITX2, has six exons to it. So I've just numbered them one through six on this particular example. What we can do is we can take those modules, those exons, and join them together in different ways and make different proteins. They're related to one another, but they're different. So let's see here. This PITX2 isoform A is made out of using information from exons 1, 2, 5, and 6. PITX2 isoform B is made out of exons 1, 2, 3, 5, and 6. So it doesn't use exon 4. And here is another one, isoform C. Exons 4, 5, and 6 are used to make it. Why was this embarrassing to me? Because I got up and gave a lecture in molecular genetics class that I was teaching at Andrews University, and I taught my students that there were over 100,000 genes in the human genome, and I had wonderful reasons for doing that. And I showed them all of those reasons. The problem was, ever so shortly after that, the human genome was published, and we found out that we had less than 50,000 genes. Now we know that we have less than 30,000 genes. In fact, you don't have that many more genes than a worm or a fruit fly. It's amazing. Yes. How can that be? Because a single gene, it turns out, is a complex, interconnected set of parts that can be joined together to make many different proteins, as it turns out. Our old ideas about genes have gone by the wayside. One gene can make many proteins. Because DNA codes in modular units, a single gene can produce several different but related proteins. Here's something else to think about. Have you, ever, have you ever gotten into palindromes? I love palindromes. This one's one of my favorites. It's supposed to be what Napoleon said. Abel was I, ere I saw Elba. Do you see what's special about it? If you read it forwards, it says, Abel was I, ere I saw Elba. If you read it backwards, what does it say? Abel was I, or I saw Elba. That's what a palindrome is. It reads the same forwards and backwards. And by the way, palindromes in DNA are very common. Here's another one. I love this particular one. Doc, note, I dissent, a fast never prevents a fatness. I diet on cod. And if you read it backwards, it says exactly the same thing. We know how this particular palindrome was made. It was made by a man named Peter Hilton. He was a code breaker during the Second World War. These guys were geniuses. They were geniuses. And that's where things like palindromes come from, brilliant minds. Okay? There are things, there are actual palindromes in DNA, but there are other interesting things like palindromes that are interesting, interconnected, complex structures in the language of DNA. Genes are kind of like literature in a way, but they're more than, than the kind of literature that we have. Read forwards, some genes code for one protein, but read backwards, they code for a different protein. Sometimes these proteins are related in some way. Maybe they're part of the same biochemical pathway or the same signaling pathway or something. Other genes code for more than one, uh, one protein when in the same direction. They're sort of two genes overlapping each other. It's amazing. 
what's going on there. Imagine trying to evolve things like this. Okay? This is the sort of thing that design gives us. We can recognize design easily. You don't have to be a philosopher or anything like that. Here are two examples. These are piles of sand. On the right-hand side is a pile of sand on Fraser Island in Australia, the largest sand island in the world. This particular pattern on the right-hand side, I know immediately was made by just natural forces acting by themselves. The pattern that I see in the pile of sand on the left, which I happen to come across in Berlin, I immediately recognize is the product of design. How do I know that? From my personal experience. So um, I'm cheating a little bit here. If you actually pan down on that photograph a little bit, here is the artist working on it. The artist had a design. The artist had a plan, and this is the plan coming to fruition. The DNA in your body is part of the plan that God has for you. So two conclusions. DNA is a remarkable material, very well suited to encode the plans God wrote for life. The plans contained in DNA are remarkable and elegant, befitting the masterpieces of God's creation. And here on the left, you can see the latest masterpiece in our family. Uh, this, this little baby was just born last week uh, to one of my cousins. What a beautiful masterpiece. God has a plan for this child, and this is exactly what God's Word tells us. For I know the plans that I have for you. Of course God knows the plans He has for us. He wrote them Himself. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Amen.